I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome to another episode of History Hack. Alex is all excited again, so I'm going to pass you over to her. Yeah, boom. I'm really excited. Um, I went and found us Explorers History. Um, who cannot be excited by the history of exploring things? Uh, we have with us Matt Breen, who runs his own podcast, which is um, the Explorers podcast, funnily enough. He's currently in Wisconsin, trying not to eat all the cheese on lockdown. I'd fail miserably. How are you? I am very good. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I think uh, lockdown and that much cheese or some cheese and I would fail. Yeah, pretty much. Cheese and beer. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. So you've come on today. What we're going to do is you've picked your top five explorers. I'm going to tell people why. I really like this idea. So Alina, jump in with the first one. So I'm going to jump in with James Cook. So first of all, can you tell us who he is? Yes, James Cook was uh, an English sea captain, naval captain for the British Navy. And he is probably the person who explored more miles than anyone in history that I can think of. Um, He, over the course of about 12, 13 years, I believe, he did three voyages around the world. He circumnavigated the globe. And he is primarily primarily known for his exploration in the South Pacific, in Asia, in Antarctica, Australia, that area. Um, And it is, it's just, it's just phenomenal in Hawaii and even up into the, to, to the North America, but the breadth of what he did is just astounding. Um, and that is really why he is so famous. Uh, he never had that kind of, uh, I found America moment or something that everyone kind of associates um, him with, but his, the amount of things he did and uh, the, uh, the breadth of things is just really staggering. So what did he do to contribute to history? I think the big thing that Cook did was he opened up so many areas to Western knowledge. Um, Everything from uh, New Zealand and Australia, not necessarily being the first person there, but he mapped tons of these places. He brought back this knowledge to the world. And the amount of stuff that he did is just huge. And, um, And it wasn't just the knowledge of the places um, these were scientific expeditions as well. So they, they, they had botanists and naturalists on their ships. So he opened up the world in a lot of different ways um, uh, to people. Why, why does it actually make your list? What do you like about him? Um, I think the thing I like about Cook is he was, um, he was very, very efficient about what he did. He was smart. He learned from what he did. He was meticulous. And I appreciate this in not just explorers, but anyone, but it's really important with an explorer because if you don't do this, you die. Um, He learned to, he was a cartographer. He was a geographer. He was um, just a really, really effective person in organizing these things 
And he got, pe- he got to where he wanted to go, did what he did, and he did it really efficiently. And, you know, I will give an example. He went around the world and not one single man on his ship died of scurvy. And wow. this was, and that was extraordinary for the time because scurvy was just a terrible thing. But again, he, he listened to what people said when they were saying, you know, maybe we should be eating these things, even though they didn't know for sure. Um, he made sure it happened that they had limes and lemons and oranges or whatever else that they, they did. And they survived. And I appreciate that in, in, a, in a guy like Cook. Um, he was a bit of a kind of, you know, if you want to give a, uh, a kind of a stereotypical British officer kind of guy, you know, very bossy and things like that. But on the other hand, um, he was incredibly proficient. And, and that's what I think is, what I like about him is that he was able to do so much and he did it smart. He did it efficient. And uh, he ends up dying because he loses a little bit of that when he got killed in Hawaii, when he gets involved with people that he shouldn't have. But uh, he was, he was generally just a really, really good, he was really a good leader and a smart leader. And and I appreciate that. So Hawaii is going to be his worst moment. So tell everyone (laughs) what becomes of him. Yeah. So um, he is credited with rediscovering Hawaii because Spanish, I believe Spanish explorers, uh, or naval mariners had come across it in the 1600s, but it had kind of been lost. But he came back and refound it in the 17, late 17, 1770s and um, went off, did some exploring in North America and came back to Hawaii. And he was on his way to uh, leave when one of his ships had a, uh, like I think a mast broke or something like that. And as they were waiting to fix this, um, some of the native peoples there decided they liked one of the little boats that the uh, um, English had, and they decided to take it. Um, and Cook uh, insisted on getting it back. Uh, this was a kind of a, a thing where a lot of times where cultures where you have, um, sometimes with some of the, the, the South, Af- South uh, Pacific Islanders, there's like, a culture of sharing where you see something you want to use, you go and take it. And I don't necessarily know if that's the case in Hawaii, but they took it and he did not take kindly to that. And so he went to take it back and one thing led to another and he got killed by the natives. So um, that was the end of, of cook. If he had been a little smarter and understood uh, what the situation was like and tried to diffuse it, he might, he might've survived, but he did not. God bless him. That's a proper um, explorer's <laughs> end, isn't it? Yeah, they mostly end. Um, they mostly end like that, or actually, probably more. They end up, you know, withering away in some godforsaken place without food or anything like that. So, um, <laughs> at, at least he was in a nice place and didn't uh, uh, die of uh, starvation or something like that which so many do do. <laughs> Let's talk about your next guy. So you picked Ferdinand Magellan. So first of all, tell everybody who he is. Ferdinand Good. Magellan was the first man to circumnavigate the world. Um, 15, 19, he, he was Portuguese, but he sailed for Spain. And in 1519, he departed from Spain. And over the next few years, he would uh, go through what is now the Strait of, Mag- Strait of Magellan, so being the first person to go around South America. And then he would reach Asia. And then his ship would then 
go back around Africa and reach back to Spain. Now he did die uh, in the Philippines, just like James Cook. He got involved in the locals, uh, a local war. He decided it was a good idea. Like again, these guys they should they should learn never to get involved in local politics. And he didn't learn that, and he got involved, and he died in the uh, on the beach in the Philippines, killed by a, a Philippine war warlord named uh, Lapu Lapu, and um, uh, and that was his end. But his expedition circumnavigated the globe. And it is, I, I would arguably say, it is the single greatest achievement in exploration in history. Because, I mean, it's not only just an incredible achievement to be the first person to sail around the world, um, to, to, to take, to have the, to have the audacity in your, in your heart, in your mind, to do that, that you're willing to sail into nothingness and, and trust that you're going to get back is, is incredible. Um, but also it really put the world in, into perspective for the world. I mean, we now knew really how big the world was and where a lot of these big chunks of places were. Mm. And um, so it was an incredible, it was an incredible moment and um, uh, and an achievement. And, and it, it is, it was the really the one thing he did and it was, if you're going to pick one thing to do that, it's just the amazing one. Yeah, like you say, it's pretty special, isn't it? That you can, I mean, there is no map. No one knows what's out there. I mean, yeah. do people still believe you'll drop off the edge? Um, at the time, uh, and this is a, a common, I think a common misperception. A lot of mm. people, you know, like when I grew up, I was told, you know, Oh, all the, uh, the, the, the ignoramuses thought that they would go sailing off the edge of the world, but, to be honest, most scholars, most academics, most learned people really did believe the world was round, and they did not think that was going to happen. Um, now, your common, uneducated person probably, you know, did not think that, but for the most part, people did. But still, you had to um, uh, to make a leap of faith that that wasn't going to happen, or you know, that you weren't going to go into an ocean that didn't end for not just 30 days or 60 days, but, you know, forever for, for a hundred and you die. Um, and that's why like, you know, the Norse explorers are so amazing um, that they did it without even that knowledge. Um, and I always give Christopher Columbus for all his faults. Um, he went into the, to the nothingness um, on the faith that he would find something. And that's uh, an incredibly audacious and brave thing to do because again you just you just don't, can't tell you think you're right and you think it's going to be fine but you know what there's it's not always the case so it's it's an amazing thing to do that and um, talking about columbus you didn't put him on your list what what made him not make the cut um i i wanted i was kind of like picking some people from eras and I, I wanted at least one from the age of discovery, which is, which be Magellan. The age mm. of discovery would be 1450 to 1650 ish around. And um, Columbus, uh, his voyage uh, uh, to the Americas is, is probably is, and I'm, I'm being, I don't want to sound like I'm like overly dramatic at times here. Cause I'm, I've made the journey around the world, the greatest achievement ever. And, but Columbus's uh, rediscovery of America really is is one of the most, if not the most pivotal moment in Western history. Mm. I mean, it it brought two, uh, you know, worlds together. 
And um, so that is incredible. And so for Columbus, that was great. Problem with Columbus was he's, he was, he became an administrator. Um, He had, he didn't have the foresight to die nice and young. And, uh, um, and then he went and screwed up everything. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So he eroded his own legacy. (laughs) Yeah. He became an administrator and he was an awful administrator. He helped set up what would be the, the Spanish encomienda system. Uh, it was brutal. It would, it would lead to the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people. He in, engaged in slavery. He was, he was just a really, and he was not good at any of this. He was, uh, and as a person, as you read, if you read about him, he's a really unlikable guy. He's always mm. whining. He's always, if you, he's like letters to, to, to Ferdinand and Isabella. It's just like, Oh gosh, I have done so much for you. And then, you know, he's always whining and, and, you know, and he's obsessed with slights and money and, and he's just not a, a likable man, but he is a very good navigator, a very good mariner. He, he, he went on and makes some important discoveries and, and, uh, uh, is really a first-rate explorer, but uh, he just, he gets dinged for being a, a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And he also doesn't get the epic death scene on the beach, does he? No, he does not. No. That's kind of boring, really. Kind of <laughs> a boring yeah. end. Yeah, he dies a kind of a poor, lonely... Um, bitter, probably. Most, mostly, yeah, bitter, mostly blind. Um, you know, these guys, these these guys who sailed on the ocean their eyes would basically their retinas would basically get shot from this from so much glare over mm. the course of time so he was mostly blind by the end he couldn't even come out on his final voyage he couldn't even come out during the day on his ship he had to come out at night what goes around comes around when you're a jerk though right that you're correct yeah. <laughs> right so i'm gonna don't make fun of me for the next one right so if <laughs> no, i no say problem. to people if i say out loud if i'm gonna do this ready Marco. So we're talking about Marco Polo next. So can you tell us who he was? And okay. um, yeah, he, to me, he sounds kind of exciting. So let's go for it. Alrighty. Um, Marco Polo, I wanted someone who was a little more, uh, I want to say early explorer. There's, there's certainly much earlier ones, but Polo is uh, from the late 1200s. He was a Venetian merchant and Venice was like one of the preeminent trading um, entities of the uh, Mediterranean at that time and for many, many centuries. But uh, he is famous because he would go to Asia as a young man. Um, his father's family was, he was, his family was merchants and he went there for trading interests and he would spend, if I'm correct, 17 years there. He met like the Kublai Khan and uh, Kublai Khan and, uh, he would travel to China and India and, you know, Southeast Asia um, and travel to Silk Road, go to Persia, and he would come back. And what made him famous, now, a lot of people had done this before, but his extensive, the extensive time he spent there, 17 years, was really extraordinary, <clears throat> excuse me, was really extraordinary. And then he came back and he basically told someone all these stories. And, um, and I honestly can't remember the gentleman's name. He was, he was a romance writer actually who wrote a book called the travels of Marco Polo and, or what was it? It was actually called, uh, 
the book of marvels the the book of marvels of the world i think was the other name for it which i love um and it was and this is why marco polo i think was so important in that this book was huge and it it captivated europe um and it inspired people like columbus and magellan people who they wanted to get to the far east because he told of marco polo told of all these fantastic places the riches and you know and it was just incredible to them and they wanted to get there and um the people in in europe they were they understood that things like the spices and silk and gems and and porcelain and everything came from the far east but um that all had to come overland or by the arabian sea and so they were obsessed with you know, finding a different way there. And so that was a huge thing for Europe. Um, and that's why he was so, the Marco Polo is so important. One, because of what he did, which is pretty cool, but also because of the influence that he had on later uh, explorers. So when the age of discovery came, um, they, they wanted to get there because of the things he talked about and uh, the opportunity that those places offered them. What did he actually contribute to? I think the big thing is, is he brought to uh, Western world. And when I say Western world, I mean, Europe, European world. He brought the knowledge of what was actually in the far East. A lot of people, it was just basic, like, the Chinese or the Indians were out there and they didn't know much about them. It was all um, second and third and fourth hand type stories. And he brought this direct um, first person narrative to the Western world. And I think that was really the big thing that, that he did for them for that. So why does he actually make your list? Um, he did it because one, it was an extraordinary thing what he did at the time to go and spend nearly 20 years in the Far East. Um, it was not a common thing to do um, and to survive. Um, it, I mean, it was not an easy thing. Uh, it, it was a dangerous, he had to take ships through the, uh, the, the, the Gulf of Arabia. He had to travel the Silk Road. He was attacked by bandits. Um, and then he had to negotiate living in a foreign world um, for, like I say, almost two decades. Um, and that was an amazing thing for the time. You just, you know, when, when a lot of people never went 20 miles beyond where they lived, he went, you know, thousands and thousands and in places that were just legends to most people. And so that was amazing. And then I, I think the amazing thing was then his influence on later people is what I, I think is just so, so, so critical. People um, read his Marco Polo's book and they wanted to get to that area. And that made the Portuguese, the Spanish, everyone want to open up trade routes and to get there. And that, that inspired people to try to go around Africa, to go to America, to go across the Pacific. All those things were to get the, the trade in North, the Northwest Passage. Everyone wanted to get to the Far East and establish those trade routes. And so it was so critical. And he was the one that kind of started that. How does it end for him? Um, he actually, he, he, he died, um, actually a, a pretty good, just became a rich mer merchant and just faded away, um, and lived a good life. So he was, he was less of a, um, he was more, he was a, I, I think of him as more of a traveler than an explorer in a lot of ways that he wasn't like 
blindly setting off into places that no one knew about or hardly anyone really knew about. He was going into very populated, in fact, very advanced civilizations, you know. Um, and so in a lot of ways, he's, he's like the, the great traveler of, the, of, of history. And um, he then came back and just he, his family were merchants. And that's what he did till he uh, died. I can't remember. I think just just of old age. I'd like to have had a drink with him. He sounds like fun. Oh, that would have been amazing. And he and the thing is, he also went when he was in China and stuff. He was at the height of the of the cons and stuff like that. So it would have been extraordinary to have, have been there. Yeah. So Richard Francis Burton is your next one. Tell us who he is. All righty. Richard Francis Burton is, he is one of my favorite explorers and favorite people in history. He's, he's not, he's someone that a lot of people don't know. Um, you hear the name Richard Burton and you want to say, oh, a Welsh actor. But um, Richard Burton, Richard Francis Burton uh, was a, and he was a soldier, a linguist, an ethnologist, a cartographer, a geographer, a spy, a poet, a diplomat, and an explorer. He was just this extraordinary guy. Um, he spoke 29 different languages. Um, he, he was British, and he lived in the 1800s. And he started out as a soldier, and in India... He, uh, from India, he would, did, exp I don't want to say exploring because he was, I'm not saying this really good. This guy was fascinated with just learning. And that's why I love him. He was obsessed with other cultures. He was the first person, um, recorded person, well, maybe not the first, but he was one of the first people to make a hot, uh, um, make a journey into Mecca and Medina and when it was death for a, a, a uh, non-Muslim to go into those holy cities, he disguised himself. He even got himself circumcised so that there would be no mistakes um, if someone saw that he wasn't circumcised and realized he wasn't uh, an Arab. Um, but he would then go on to uh, explore in East Africa in the, the great lakes area around Lake Victoria, Lake Tanganyia, uh, Tanganyika, ah, <laughs> Lake Tanganyika, is, he, he was the first Western person to find that lake, which is one of the great African lakes. Um, but uh, he was just an amazing person and he, he loved adventure. He was, he was what Indiana Jones would have been. Um, if he was a real person in my book, um, he was just had this insatiable desire to learn and to experience things. And, um, and it wasn't just, it was cultures. It was the world. It was, it was, it was things like sex. I mean, he, he was the first person, he translated the Kama Sutra and the Arabian nights, which were, you know, banned books and everything. He was the first person to do those things. Um, and so he had this just love of, of learning and a love of, of just finding out stuff. And, and, and he was just kind of a, a rascal. He was, his nickname was Ruffian Dick, um, which is a great name, but, um, <laughs> but he was just an extraordinary person and I'm probably not doing him justice the way I describe him, but he was, he was just this 
just this one of a kind guy who, um, um, who was just so smart. And as an explorer, I will say this, he immersed himself in those cultures and he believed in learning about those places, which is very rarely the case in, in so many times in history where the cultures are just kind of blown off by the explorers. They're just like, Oh, they're just savages. Mm. When that was not always, the, that was not really the case with Burton. He, he learned about the people. He would learn their languages and their customs. And he would, um, he was, they even said he would go native is, is what he was, he, he was accused of. So um, that's what I love about Burton. I just want to double check. You said 29 languages. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. It, it is incredible. His, his writing is incredible. He has like, if I remember right, he has over like, you can find him online. There's a site dedicated and he's got over like 200 articles and pamphlets and it's all over the board, the stuff, you know, that he, that he talks about. So he, he just dove into these things and he translated, like I say, he translated stuff um, from other languages, which um, a lot of people that wasn't even worth their time and effort because it was another language and heaven forbid, I can't be any good, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was just extraordinary. Do you think his single biggest or best achievement is? Um, so many. Yeah. And I think that it, this is the thing that actually probably, I don't want to say hurts Burton, but it, it doesn't make uh, Burton that big in the eyes of the, of history is he doesn't have that single great achievement. Mm. He didn't, discover the world, you know, discover America. He didn't sail around the world. He didn't do, he didn't, he doesn't have that. Um, his biggest thing as, um, as an explorer would be his explorations of East Africa in the African lakes area. He was trying to find the source of the Nile and him and John Hanning, Hanning speak, um, went to look for it and speak was the one who actually found it. Um, Burke, uh, came very close, um, but he did not get there. So if you want to say he doesn't have that one single event in his life, so I really can't even pick one. It's really just a, um, a culmination of of just a a amazing life. Well, he sounds amazing. And, um, I don't think you really need to justify where you, where he makes your list because he is just awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And like I say, I, I love him because, He's so different from so many explorers, uh, especially who, you know, like even his contemporaries, you know, um, Henry Morgan Stanley, who did a lot of exploring of Africa, just, I mean, he marched through with a lot of guys with guns and shot people left and right. And, you know, it, it was just, you know, this, the, the carelessness and the, the callousness of, of some explorers is just incredible. And, and Burton was not that it was, he immersed himself with these people and with the people that he, he visited. And I think that was admirable. What becomes of him? Um, he, he basically, as he got older, he became a diplomat and served in various posts around the world, uh, Brazil or, or in South America and the Middle East. And he died. Uh, he lived to like 69 years old if I, if I'm correct, um, and died of like a heart attack or something like that. Um, so he, he lived a long life. He never, uh, he was kind of, he was kind of a, a pariah in a lot of corners. Cause he was, he was not the guy that followed the company line all the time. And so he never got the prime posts or anything, but he wrote 
all the way through to his through his death. And he had a, an amazing wife who did the same thing. She was uh, quite the um, uh, free spirit herself. And uh, so I think you're like, okay, that's a good way to go. You know, better than in the surf of the Philippines or um, on a ship in the Arctic that can't move anywhere. <laughs> oh, that one is horrific. Um, yeah, that that certainly was going to make the list of any best explorers, but that's kind of like your worst case scenario, isn't it? Just helplessly being stranded. Yeah. 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 The, the, um, the guys in the, the guys who get stuck in the desert, um, the guys who get stuck in the Arctic or Antarctic, um, it's just because it's just this slow wasting away. Um, mm. And it's, it's just heartbreaking when you read some of those stories and, uh, and also inspiring too, in the case of like Shackleton, who, who, you know, saved all those men and everything, but you know, they spent, I mean, I can't imagine spending, you know, over a year just sitting on a boat on the, uh, the Arctic ice or the Antarctic ice. It's, it's just amazing. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's going to make you go crazy, isn't it? But you have, and I'm really glad you have. You have picked someone from the Antarctic forest. Uh, you've gone for Roald Amundsen, um, who discovered the, or got to the South Pole first, didn't he? Um, but tell us some more about him. Yeah, yeah. So um, that would be uh, Ruol Amundsen, which is the actual Norwegian, but we all like uh, Ruol. But uh, Ruol Amundsen uh, was a Norwegian, and he was famous for in the early 1900s for, for his explorations. And we know him, as you said, for being the first person to reach the South Pole. But he is also the first person to lead a ship through the entire Northwest Passage over the over the, the North America. And he, he was brilliant. He took a small little fishing boat and took him like three years. He went um, from one side of North America to the other in a boat, the first person to ever do that. And um, that was an amazing thing. Um, and then in 1911, he, was, he led the first uh, team from, uh, uh, it was again, to Antarctica and became the first person to reach the South Pole. Um, and also later on in the 1920s, he led the first um, aerial crossing of the North Pole. Now, some people say Richard Byrd did it, but there's some controversy there. But he, he led a, a dirigible, a balloon, across the North Pole. So he was the first person to do that. So he has all these signature moments in, in reality. 
But uh, uh, the thing that's so great about him was uh, he was just a guy I love because he learned from what he did. And it's not always the case with a lot of these people. And so like on that first trip to the Ant- to the Arctic, when he did the, 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 the Northwest Passage, he learned from the Inuit people um, how to dress, how to use dogs. He learned, you know, the food that he needed. He learned how to survive because he spent uh, a year, one, one winter just trapped in the, or months on end trapped in the snow and the ice. He learned to survive and he applied those things to the um, to the South Pole expedition, and um, I know one of the big things with the South Pole expedition was it was basically a race between him and mm-hmm. um, and and uh, uh, Robert Falcon Scott, and he beat Scott by about a month, um, and Scott ended up dying along with his entire team because they, you know, you could you if you look at the two expeditions, um, they they just weren't prepared like. Munson was um, the other one and uh, you know I respect that so much in a guy who can take those things he wasn't afraid to learn like in the case of the Inuit people about their clothing Um, you know one of the big things you'll see in these um, Arctic and Antarctic things these guys are wearing these heavy wool layers and stuff well you know when you're working your butt off you still sweat even if it's 20 below yeah and so then you stop, and what happens is, is your your lower layers then freeze on you, um, and it's uncomfortable. It's bad for you. It's it's not healthy. But the Inuit would would wear, um, you know, like uh, um, the the animal skins and stuff that were naturally wicking without all these layers. And he learned from that kind of a thing. An example uh, of how he took something he learned and transitioned it into later expeditions. And not being afraid to learn from from what people, you know, viewed oftentimes as like savages and things like that. Do you think the Northwest Passage was a better achievement than the South Pole? Um, no, I would say no. It, it the Northwest Passage, we kind of knew what it was, and people had done it on foot, combining foot and and ship. So uh, um, it was kind of passe i guess it was kind of already done mm. but um i think as a as a overall achievement it was a more difficult thing because it took like three i think three years to do um and it and, and a lot of people thought that he was just gone when he just showed up hey hey look at me and so it was a huge deal but it was um it was amazing i had i hadn't even thought about that so that's why i'm kind of like not sure but the south pole was um I, the South, the pole races to me kind of exemplify where exploration became uh, achieving goals as opposed to just exploring to find the knowledge. Uh, You know, understanding the Northwest Passage is really a a valuable thing. You know, you can use that information. um, And, but getting to the North Pole or the South Pole, it's kind of like, well, it's not like, you know, we have to establish trade routes here. You know, it's, um, it's, it's more of doing something for the sake of doing something. Um, it doesn't mean it isn't great and it isn't cool. Um, but getting to the top of Mount Everest, getting to the North pole, getting, doing those things doesn't 
fundamentally change the world as uh, some of the earlier explorations did. Do you think there's anything left that can change the world in terms of exploring now, or has it all been done? Um, I I think there is some fascinating stuff with undersea exploration. Yeah. But, but I'll be honest, it's not an area I, I know that much about. And, and I, I, you know, you watch, you know, Robert Ballard and James Cameron do some of these things and, and with the technology of the, the video and stuff is just amazing to watch that. But, um, and, and I think that some of the undersea stuff will offer opportunities probably for, uh, you know, just science to, to, to learn a lot. But I, I don't know if there's anything really that, uh, you know, short of moving outside of this planet. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, like the moon is probably like was the was I said, was the most pivotal thing uh, of exploration that we could really have had in the last, um, you know, 50, 70 years or whatever. But I don't know, because a lot of it is just it, it it's taking what has been done and doing it differently or more efficiently. It's like, okay, um, I'm going to be the first person to cross North, uh, the, the, the North pole, um, on skis or with a dog sled or, you know, without any help or, um, when I'm a teenager, you know, it becomes kind of more of that. And there's people that do that. And I am fascinated by them to be honest. Um, and I think it's cool. A lot of them tend to take those things and, and wrap them in, uh, um, causes and stuff like that or awareness of something but a lot of them they're doing it because it's a cool obsessive thing that they want to do and i don't i don't know do you guys can you think of anything that that hasn't quote unquote been not like you say unless like they find something deep down yeah it's got to be underwater hasn't it yeah there's there's some opportunities with um i think caves and things like that but even then what you're finding in, when you with you know your cave diving is it's not like you find you know civilizations or no it's not like, like you're going to find the western hemisphere and yeah. the eastern yeah. or anything like that um yeah. you're talking about the you really admire obviously the guys that learn as they go and that learn from their mistakes and that yes. uh will absorb information to make themselves better explorers but you must have come across who's the worst one you can think of who's just an utter failure of an explorer Okay. Um, I, um, now you have to know, I don't know all the explorers. So a lot of people, they want me to tell them all about everything. And I'm like, I only know so many. Um, I, I am, I'm doing a, 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 a series right now. I'm in the process of doing on the Burke and Wills expedition, which is an attempt in the 1860s to cross Australia from the South to the North and the guy who's leading it, his name is Robert O'Hara Burke. And the guy is really fascinating. I like him. He's, but he's just a, he's just, he, he makes so many blunders. It's just, it kills me. And he ends up dead in the desert um, because of it. Um, that just kills me, especially because of how well-financed and provisioned and everything this expedition was. And they make, so many mistakes. Um, the first and foremost, not being able to communicate with the local native peoples, you know, right there. Communication, by the way, is one of the biggest keys in all of these people in their ability to survive as you go. It's, it's just amazing. Um, so Burke is, is 
frustrating because I want him to succeed and I want to like him um, in, in that respect. Um, I did one episode on a guy named Panfilo de Narvaez. He was a Spanish conquistador. And I probably have never read anything more on, on how a, a, a worse man. Uh, he was an, he was an ass. He was, he was cruel. He was, he was a conquistador. He killed lots of people. He got, he tried to win. He tried to go to Mexico in 19, in 1520 and, get Cortez under control and lost his entire army to Cortez. He was a failure. Well, he ultimately tried to go to Florida and find another big, everyone, the Spanish conquistadors all loved to go find the next Mexico city or the next, uh, you know, uh, Inca empire. And he went in there with 300 guys and only four of them came back. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Oh, it was. And, and the only reason we really know much about him is that he, he landed with 300 guys in Florida, promptly just started losing people left and right to warfare and to disease and so forth and starvation. Um, and then they basically were stuck there. And so they decided to build small boats and sail along the Gulf Coast of the United States down to Mexico to get to safety. And um, in the end, he got swept out to sea on a, on a boat and it was never heard from again. Nicely done. The guy was a jerk. Um, and only four men survived. And one of those was a guy named Alvaro Nunez Cabeza de Vaca. And Cabeza de Vaca is an incredible story because he spent then, if I'm right, if I remember it right, I think eight years living in what would be Northern Mexico and Texas and stuff like that. And eventually marching by foot across the Southwest of, of the United States and what would be Northern Mexico to get to the West coast of the continent and march down to the South to get back to uh, Spanish controlled territory. And it took him like eight years and it was him and four other, three other guys. And so that was just like, incredible story. And the only reason I did the Panfilo de Narvaez thing is because it kind of, um, kind of was the prequel to <laughs> Cabeza de Vaca's yeah. story. And I was just like, well, this is a good story. And it's, uh, and it's one that actually was a terrible failure. And, uh, but that, and, and the other one would be that I've done recently. I did one on the Franklin expedition, which was, yeah. um, which was, you know, just, it was like a, a complete, in, in so many ways, understanding that you have to adapt to your world and uh, thinking that you can just march into or sail into this world and you'll just with pluck and determination and a lot of stuff on your ships and you'll get away with it. And, and you know, 120 some, 230 men died because of it. It was, it was uh, I think the biggest disaster in, in British naval exploration history or exploration history. Just, it was terrible. Yeah. And as you say, like a total refusal to sort of understand that you're going to have to, you're, you're not just going into like the Yorkshire Dales or whatever. You're going into a completely inhospitable yeah. um, environment that yeah. you can't comprehend. Yeah. And not, in England. yeah, if you, if they had looked at, previous explorers who had been in the North, they would have understood um, how important it was to say, for instance, get food, fresh food and, and so forth. 
these expeditions when they tried to survive on everything being canned or you know jerk meat things like that they would die of scurvy but when you you know you can get enough vitamins by eating fresh meat and when they would do that they'd survive yet no one literally looked at those previous things and went hey we need to do this and um and they never learned and and like i say they sailing in and you know he's taking china and things like that with him and just trying to take like his whole victorian british world uh, with him into uh the the arctic is just kind of nuts and uh in his defense though man you can't go anywhere without a good without a good smoking jacket exactly and (laughs) like bottles of of whiskey and brandy and they had you know it was it was it was like again it was like they wanted to take their uh, you know aristocratic lifestyle and just put it on a ship and not have to, you know, as far as he was concerned, he was just going to sit on the ship and just sail through everything and just survive like that. And, and that just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, that's called bringing the British, I think. Matt, thank you so much for joining us and um, giving us your top five explorers from James Cook to Marco Polo and obviously your favourite, Richard Francis Burton. Um, and hopefully you should be able to join us uh, on another podcast very, very, very soon. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Join us tomorrow when Catherine Fellows will be with us to talk all about the Borgias, not only why they were so prominent, how they got there, but also their representations in popular culture as well. So we have a good old chinwag about Jeremy Irons and everybody else who's brought them to life on screen. So don't miss that. Don't forget, you can become a patron of History Hack for as little as a dollar a month. Just go to www.historyhack.podbean.com. It will help us keep going in the aftermath of the coronavirus, and we would really appreciate it, as we would love to do so. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.